is for you that you would say, I love you, but I'm just not going to do that, right? For you, maybe it's not changing the diaper. Maybe it's, maybe it's feet. I don't know. A lot of people have a feet thing where they don't want to be near, don't want to touch feet. Well, that was a big thing, actually, in Jesus' day was this idea of, of touching somebody's feet. The feet were one of the most dirty, filthiest, unclean things that you had. Like, you, you walk down the streets with sandals on, open-toed shoes, and you're walking the same streets with animals. So if you can just imagine the kind of filth that your feet might walk through. So the idea of coming into someone's house and having your feet washed was a typical custom, but customarily the person washing the feet was a slave. They wouldn't even let a a Jewish servant wash feet. It was a Gentile slave. Um, It's just such a filthy thing that no one wanted to do it. They they might have said to each other, I I love you, man, but I'm I'm not going to do that, right? Well, in the story we're going to look at in Scripture today, Jesus... Uh, everybody, everybody around the table has already said, look, I love you, but I'm not doing that. And Jesus says, you know what? I'll do that. So we're going to look at John chapter 13. I'd love for you to turn there with me uh, this morning. And we're going to talk about this text in a, in a few different levels. So as you're finding your place there, one of the things we know um, about John's gospel is, is he takes uh, the first 12 chapters to talk about Years of Jesus' ministry. Well, then we, we pick up in chapter 13, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are going to cover just a few days. He's just going to cover uh, moments in four chapters. So what, what he spent, you know, taking a highlight reel for the first 12 chapters, in the next four chapters, he's really going to zoom in and look at moment by moment by moment and pull out a lot of detail for us. These were the moments leading up to and, and during his crucifixion that John's just going to give us every detail he can because those moments really impacted his followers, his disciples. Jesus had loved his disciples. He loved them. That's what we're talking about. This, this series of messages is all about learning to love like Jesus. So we're going to take a deep look at how Jesus loves. A couple of weeks ago, we began this series talking about Jesus loves because he forgives sinners. And just like him, we ought to also forgive those who wrong us, those who offend us. We ought to extend forgiveness. Judson was reading from Psalm 51 this morning about a cry for forgiveness in light of that. Well, this morning we're talking about how Jesus loves in how he serves. So if you will, I know you just found your place there. Would you stand with me as we read from John chapter 13? beginning of the chapter starts this way. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already, in, already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He had come from God and was going back to God. Verse 4, here's what He did. He rose from supper. He laid aside His outer garments. And taking a towel, He tied it around His waist. Then He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, Do you wash my feet? 
And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. But not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet, and put on his outer garments, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking to all of you. I, I, I know I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Father, I pray that this morning you would raise up in this house a people who serve people who show that they love by how they serve. God, help us to look to Jesus as a prime example, um, a model for how we should live, and much deeper than just an example. Look to Jesus for the one who serves us even deeper than just washing our earthly needs, but the one who served us by washing our souls. So, Father, help us to see the truth today, be encouraged and enlightened by the truth, and walk out of here different people who are more than willing to go low, to lift another one up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, the beginning of this chapter, John begins with um, giving us some information about who Jesus is. He gives us um, the first three verses as kind of an introduction to what's about to happen, what, what these disciples are about to experience. John sort of sets it up by telling us who this Jesus is. You know, if he just told the story of Jesus, you know, getting on his knees and going around the table there washing the disciples' feet, that would be a big deal. But the fact that he sets it up with these first three verses that describe Jesus in, in these ways, describes Jesus as an all-knowing, compassionate lover of his enemy, one whom the Father, God, has given all things into his hands, and one who has been sent by God and is going back to God. Those, those four details give us a pretty high view of who Jesus is. Let's just look at them really quickly. I want to walk through those quickly together. John tells us that Jesus knew, verse 1, knew that his hour had come. What does he mean there? Well, 
What John means is that Jesus knew this was the moment he was going to die. Like this is the moment. This is the, the, the few days where he's going to be betrayed, crucified and killed. He knew his hour. That's what John's talking about when he says hour. Now, the fact that Jesus knew it sets him apart, doesn't it? I mean, how many of us know the moment you're going to die? We don't. If we did, we would live differently. Well, in light of that, think about how Jesus chose to live his last few moments knowing he's about to die. Many of us probably would think, well, I'm about to die. I'm in a, I've always wanted to jump out of an airplane or I've always wanted to fill in the blank. I'm going to go do what I've always wanted to do. Maybe we think more of a self-serve type of way. And what we see in Jesus, his last moments, knowing he's about to die, he spends his last moments washing feet. Isn't that amazing? The second thing we see here in this introduction is that Jesus knows who's going to betray him. John writes it here in the text that during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Jesus knew that. In fact, he says later on down here when he's talking about um, not all of you are clean. He says, I, I know whom I have chosen. Verse 18. He says, but the scripture will be fulfilled. So Judas is going to fulfill the scriptures. I've, I've chosen him. And yet now he is choosing to betray me. That, that uh, collision of, of the choice of a man and Jesus is choosing is really hard to fathom. But here's the reality is Jesus knows one of his best friends is about to turn on him. He knows it. And yet, what does he do? Washes his feet. Judas is in the room. Jesus knows he's going to betray him. And Jesus takes the time to scrub the filth off this man's feet. That's amazing to me. Third thing I, I see right here just in the introduction is that Jesus knows that God the Father has given all things into his hands. So what I take that to mean is that he's got all authority and all power. Like he could have done a lot of things in this setting to stop the momentum. But he knew that this is, this is the purpose and the plan of God. I'm surrendering to God's purpose and God's plan. And I'm going to refrain, restrain from using all the power that I have. This is the definition of meekness. Jesus holds back. It's his power under control. I could stop this but I'm not going to. I mean, he displayed that in the garden when the betrayal was, was happening, right? Judas comes and he's got all these soldiers who are armed with their spears and shields. And Jesus says, I've been teaching all this time. You could have arrested me. You've never come against me with weapons, but here you are. Okay, Judas comes and kisses him. Jesus says, do what you came to do, right? And then in that moment, um, there's this whole thing that happens where Jesus displays his power in just a couple of words. All those soldiers who are armed by, by the words of Jesus, they fall down dead, like as dead men. They didn't die, but he knocked them down just by saying the words, I am. You can read that on in, in the text. I think it's chapter 18. Just by speaking words, he knocks down his adversaries. He displayed his po power. And then he displays his meekness by surrendering himself to the will of the Father. The point we're making here is that God had entrusted all things into his hands. And yet Jesus lives with such incredible meekness. And then the last thing, uh, just from the introduction, is that Jesus knows he was sent from God and he's going back to God. So knowing that's his mission, that's his, his plan, he's not going to be distracted or pulled aside by anything. 
Nothing's going to pull him off of this plan. Not even uh, when the enemy, Satan himself, um, gets in the mess and gets his, one of his best friends to betray him. So let's make no mistake about what's happening here. Here's what's happening. The high and holy one, the son of God who's sent from God to save sinners, loves them by going low. And being willing to do that thing that no one else is willing to do. Jesus is going to show them that real love is willing to go low. I love an expression in here. You know, sometimes I dig into the the Greek language and um, look with me at verse one, the end of the verse. It says John's describing Jesus and it says he loved them to the end. And when you pair that with the phrase before, it says, having loved him, having loved his own who were in the world. And then this next phrase, he loved them to the end. So a lot of people think that means he, he loved them in the past and he's going to be loving them in the future. But the, the Greek language there actually means to the, when it says to the end, it means to the fullest extent. So what, what, what we're looking at right there is it means he's fully emptying himself, like to the last drop is going to be spent. He's loving them until it's all used up. I love that. He's not leaving anything on the table. Jesus puts it all out there. He's showing his disciples and us what real love looks like. So can you just imagine this moment? The Son of God... Who, who you have watched, if you're one of his disciples, you've watched him speak and a storm cease. You've watched him rub mud in a man's eyes and the man can see. You've watched him speak to uh, lepers and blind men and, and deaf people. You've watched him do incredible miracles. You've seen him raise dead people to life. You stood at the tomb of Lazarus when a mummy, dead man, came walking out just because Jesus said, come out. This guy. And he comes around, takes your sandals off your feet, and begins to scrub. I don't know about you, but I really resonate with Peter in this passage. I think Peter is trying to give to Jesus the honor he feels he's due, like you... I should be washing your feet, Jesus. You shouldn't be washing my feet. Stop. Stop doing that. You're going to wash my feet. I resonate with the way Peter feels. You should not be down there. That's not the place for a king. It's not the place for someone like you. I don't want you to be serving me like that. That's that's all the things that kind of go through my mind. And here's the thing. It goes against everything. This kind of love goes against everything our culture tells us, doesn't it? Your culture, our culture says, go high. Go as high as you can go. Do whatever it takes to elevate yourself. Climb your ladders and step on whoever you have to to get there. You deserve it. Go high. Do what you can. And here's the thing. Peter and the boys had bought into this worldly culture hook, line, and sinker. I mean, they they had drunk the Kool-Aid, right? They were... That was what they knew. This is how we posture ourselves. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me. Luke doesn't tell the story of the washing of feet, but he gives us some background around that. Look at Luke chapter 22. 
And these two, these two passages are, are overlaid on top of one another. And Luke gives us some really cool detail um, around this Lord's Supper, this Last Supper time together. Um, chapter 22, let's just start in verse 22. It says, For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. That's an interesting phrase. But, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Jesus is telling His disciples, hey, one of you is going to betray Me. I want you to look closely at the next two verses. Verse 23. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this. Listen, listen to how that's phrased. They're asking, well, who could it be? Could, could it be you? Could, I, bet it's, I bet it's Bartholomew. Nobody even remembers his name. You know, I, mean, I, I bet they're just kind of going around the table pointing, what, what about him? What about him? You know, I saw him the other day doing such and such. They're speculating who it could be. I want you to see how quickly that speculation of betrayal pivoted from what might have been a humble moment. It pivoted really quickly to a very prideful moment. Right? Imagine how that might have unfolded. Who could it be who's going to betray him? Who could it be? And what do they say? Not me. It's not going to be me. Peter might have said, I mean, I walked on water. And John was like, yeah, but you sunk. You know, I mean, they're going around the table, like arguing about it. Like, look at the next verse. Here's what happened right after this. Who could it be? Look at verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the what? As the greatest. Isn't that ridiculous? How fast the human heart goes from. Could it be me? Am I going to be the one to betray Jesus to? No, absolutely. It won't be me. Here's why. Because I'm the greatest. Isn't that ridiculous? Look at the next few verses. And he said to them, now listen to how Jesus is going to teach them about love and leadership. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't buy into the worldly system of love and leadership. Here's what I'm telling you. Not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and let the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater? One who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? Look at the next sentence. But I am among you as the one who serves. What we're reading in Luke's gospel is overlaid with the narrative you see in John 13 of Jesus washing feet. Here's the thing. We have got to reject the worldly culture that tells us to elevate ourselves. That we, we, need, to, we need to rise up. We need to constantly decline from going low. I love you, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, we need to be like Jesus. He says, don't be like the Gentile leaders. Rather, do this. So I want to walk through what it means to turn away from a self-serve kind of life um, to a life of loving like Jesus, serving others. So here's, here's a quick takeaway truth, and then I want to give you um, some three principles. So if you will, pull out your, uh, your teaching guide. I hope that's helpful for you today. One takeaway truth is this. Your love for others is only as deep as your willingness to serve them. Your love for others 
is really only as deep as your willingness to serve them. Now, y'all look this way for just a second. This is not what I mean. Here I am washing feet. <laughs> Selfie. Hashtag love serves. Hashtag humility. <laughs> that's, that's not what we see in Jesus. How ridiculous would that have been for him to do self-promotion in the middle of service? It's ridiculous. It's counterintuitive. Let's, let's don't do that. Let's be the kind of people who go low and don't care who sees. Jesus washes the feet of His disciples as an example of love that goes low. So when we read Scriptures like this, um, I want to encourage you, as you read, you ought to look for the surface level meaning first. On the surface, what is God trying to show me? What does He want me to know? What does He want me to believe? And what does God want me to obey? How does He want me to live differently? Those are, those are questions on the surface, right? And I want to talk. Two of these points are going to be about the surface. And then the third is going to be beneath the surface. Okay, we're going to do a little bit of kind of scuba diving and look at, look at what's going on on a deeper level here. So the first um, point in your outline is this. Jesus serves those He loves. What he's doing here is he's flipping the script on love and leadership. He serves those he loves. Jesus is establishing an upside-down kingdom. What other kingdoms does, does the king himself come and die for his people? No. A king who's going to battle sends his people to fight for him. Right? He sends the, the warriors, he sends them off to battle to fight for his conquest. You, you die for me. That's what normal kings say. But our king said, no, I'm going to come. I'm going to fight your battle. I'm going to die for you. He's establishing an upside down kind of kingdom. He's flipping the script on love and leadership. Our, our worldly culture says, if you want to lead people, intimidate them. Give them fear. Make them fear you. You rise above, you stomp them down, and then you lead. That's garbage. Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm going to go low. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to lift you up and empower you to do what I want you to do. That's the kind of leadership Jesus calls us to. And He loves us in that way. So when we love others well, like Jesus, we've got to love them more than we love ourselves. We've got to love lifting others up more than we love lifting ourselves up. I want to give you a definition. I put it on your paper there, but... Here's a a good definition for love. Love is pursuing the highest good of another. Love is pursuing the highest good of another. If you truly love someone, you're going to pursue the highest good for them. Isn't this what parenting is about? You know, parenting is not easy. It's hard. The decisions you make as a parent, your kids don't always like, right? The decisions you make, you have to go, you know what? I love you enough that even though you don't like this, This is the right and best thing for you. And I love you enough to lead you well by pursuing the highest good for you. Does that make sense? Loving one another is pursuing the highest good for someone else. Jesus shows us what that's like. We've got to love others more than ourselves. And we lead others by serving them and lifting them up. Second thing I want us to take away that's on the surface here. On the surface is Jesus 
sends us. He sends us to love and serve just like Him. Just like He did. Jesus sends us. That's in our text a few times. I just want to pick it out for us. Uh, John 13, look at verse 12. Well, it's 12 through 17. Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, he gives them two words that you don't often see these words in the text of Scripture, but he says you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do as I've done to you. You ought to and you should. And then he says... Down in verse 16, uh, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So what he's saying to us is don't lose the fact that I'm the one sending you and I'm sending you to do what I've shown you. I'm giving you, I'm modeling for you the message. The message is love through service. And I'm showing, I'm not just teaching, not just preaching what you need to do. I'm doing it. Now, you've seen in me an example. Now I'm sending you to go and do what I've done. So we're sent to serve and love just like Him. I want to tell us that um, the only way that's going to happen is if we repent. And that word, the word repent, a lot of people define it as, well, you're going this way. Repent means you need to turn around and go this way. And that's what I would say is the outcome of true repentance. That's what ultimately happens is you you live differently. There's a change of direction. But the word repent literally means a change of mind. It means a change of mind. It means that you no longer think the way you used to think. That's what Jesus was saying. Hey, the Gentiles lead and love like that. Rather... Change your mind about what leadership and love is. And I want to tell us two things that have got to change. They're right here in our text. Look at verse 16, if you will. Verse 16, Jesus says, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. This has got to change. We must repent of thinking that we won't have to follow Jesus' example in suffering and service. We must repent of the idea that Jesus doesn't expect us to to assume cost. He doesn't expect us to suffer for His namesake. That's not true. He said, you will suffer in this world, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He said, if they've hated me and killed me, they will hate and kill you. If they don't, beware, you're probably not following me. That's what Jesus said. And we've got to change our mind. We have to repent of thinking that we're greater than our master. If he's the master and he chose to go low, who do we think we are when we refuse to go low? Jesus says, repent. You're not greater than your master. So question for you. Is your life characterized by loving service to others? Before you answer, how would your wife answer? Or how would your coworkers answer? Is your life characterized 
by loving service to others. Loving service. Not begrudging, but loving service to others. Second way that we've got to repent straight from the text is Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. A messenger. We are sent with a message. We're sent to communicate a message. So here's the question for you. Is your life telling the story of a Savior who serves? Is your life telling a story of a Savior who loves and goes low? Who loves and says, yeah, I'll do do that. Yeah, sure, man, I'd be glad. I'd love to. I'll do that. Is your life telling the story of a Jesus who, though he was high and holy, though he came from God and was going to God, he washed feet? If we follow Jesus's example and go low to serve others, what we're surprised to discover is what Jesus says in verse 17. He says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Here's the crazy part. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, the world tells you that if you elevate yourself, if you go get all the things you really want, you go, 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 climb that ladder, step on as many people as you have to, go for that success, you go for it, you go. That when you get there, he says, it'll still not be enough. It still won't satisfy you. You will not be happy. That's what this word blessed means. Glad, satisfied, and happy. But Jesus says, if you do these things, if you love and you go low, if you serve, if you do the thing that nobody else wants to do, if you show the world who I am by how you serve and love, guess what? Blessed are you if you do them. Happy, satisfied. Isn't that ironic that all the things that we think reaching for and reaching for and trying to take from the world are going to please us and satisfy us and they're not? Jesus says, no, it's not about taking, it's about giving, it's about serving. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Happy you are. I think about what's said of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 2 it says, for the joy... Set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. That's a radical verse for me. For the joy, he endured the cross. And it breaks, brings me back to this place of, of gladness, of satisfaction, of happiness in the soul to go low, to serve, to love to the fullest extent. Is what Jesus says. All right, that's on the surface. So on the surface, Jesus is certainly teaching us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to serve. I'm going to show you what that looks like. It's going to be shocking because you guys are arguing about who's the greatest and the obvious greatest one in the room is the one washing feet. So I'm going to shock you with this. That's on the surface, you know. Um, As you read this text, you ought to for sure come out with that. But there's something deeper and greater and better that's in this text. It's beautiful and I want us to see it. It's this third point. Here it is. Jesus serves us by washing our souls. 
Now, if you cheated and tried to get ahead of me, you might have put feet in that blank, so mark it out. (laughs) He does wash our feet, but He washes our souls. There's something that happens in the narrative that unfolds. You know, remember John's given us a lot of detail here, and every detail matters. So I want you to look at verse 6 with me. John 13, verse 6. Here's what's happening. Um, Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, you can sense the shock in his heart, like, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now. But afterward, you will understand. And Peter says to him, you shall never wash my feet. Now, once again, I, I believe Peter is trying to honor Jesus. He's trying to give Jesus the honor he feels he deserves. But here's the thing. He's living by a worldly standard. He's saying, you're so high like you shouldn't be serving. You should be elevated. You're so high. And Jesus makes a statement that is really sharp. We shouldn't miss what he says next. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We were just talking about washing feet here, Jesus. Why are you getting so serious all of a sudden? If this teaching were just about being willing to do the lowly thing, Jesus might would have said to Peter, Pete, come on, man. I'm trying to show you guys how to live. Give me your feet. You're ruining my object lesson here. Hand me your stinky feet. I'm trying to... Come on, Peter. He might have said something like that. Can you just play along for a minute? You're ruining the the lesson here. But he doesn't. He looks dead at Peter's eyes and he says, If I don't wash you, you will have no place with me. Jesus is taking a surface teaching and he's going much deeper now. And what we realize is that this is not just about washing stinky feet. What Jesus is saying is, if you're not willing to give me your filth, if you're not willing to let your sin and your dirt and your most shameful places of your life, if you're not willing to let me take all that on me, then you'll have no place with me. I was reading this text again this morning, just kind of refreshing my mind and something stuck to me that I had not seen before. And it's the fact that Jesus actually wrapped this towel around him. Did you guys notice that? He wraps the towel around him. And as he's washing their feet with the basin and the water, he's cleaning them with this towel that's wrapped around him. It just dawned on me that as he's moving from one man to the next, he's taking one man's stink with him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the smudge of cleaning the filth off one guy's feet is now off of him and on Jesus. That makes sense? And he goes from one man to the next, taking the filth off his feet, and now it's on him. He's wearing that filth. And there's something beautiful about that in a spiritual, deep way. What what Jesus is saying to Peter is, if you don't allow me to take your filth off of you, put it on me, you'll have no place with me. Jesus is teaching them. He's pointing. This is not just a lesson about washing feet and being willing to do the lowly thing. Although that is a true teaching. The point he's saying is, you are dirty and I'm the only one who can make you clean. Here's the gospel in this passage. And we cannot avoid it. 
It is this. We have filthy hearts, filthy souls. And there's only one who's qualified to wash them. And his name is Jesus. He's like us in every way, but different in the ways that matter most. He is sinless. He has never sinned like you and I have. There is no filth on him to be washed. Jesus lived perfect all his life. Never an evil thought. And he has come as the one who can make us clean before God Almighty. So we have filthy souls and we need Jesus to clean us. That's what he's saying right here to Peter. If I don't wash you, you'll have no place with me. Only Jesus is uniquely suited to clean the soul of mankind. He was human and he was fully God. He knew all those things at the beginning. He knew when he was going to die. He knew who it was going to betray him. He knew God had sent him. He knew God had put all things into his hands. He knew he was sent by God and was going back to God. Who knows that? Only God knows that. Jesus was fully man and he's also fully God. And he chose to die on the cross as a sacrifice to absorb your filth and to take on himself the wrath of God against our sin. This is what Jesus did when he took on your filth, washed you with his blood. He He stood before Almighty God and God poured out His wrath for sin. Our God is a holy God. He poured out all of His wrath on His Son. Jesus loved us to the fullest extent. That word keeps coming back in my mind. So we need Jesus to clean us. And then lastly, anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is made clean. Anyone who trust in Jesus Christ. And the point he made in this text is that you are clean, Peter. I imagine that was reassuring in the the moments that would follow when Peter would deny Jesus. You are clean, Peter. And then he looks around the room and he goes, but not all of you. There's one here who's not clean. And he's here so that the Scriptures would be fulfilled. Anyone who trusts in the Lord as Savior, who entrusts your filth to Him, that's part of it. You've got to say, you know, this is the worst I've got. And you're the only one who can take it. And He can. Anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ will be accepted and adopted by God our Father. Isn't that amazing? That's the gospel, right? So if you've you've never entrusted your filth, your sin to Jesus, don't don't be like Peter in the beginning there where he's like, Lord, no, you'll never wash my feet. Well, when Jesus made that statement, if I don't wash you, you'll have no place with me. Peter demonstrated his love for Christ and his willingness um, to do whatever it takes to be with Jesus. He said, well, not just my feet, but my head, my hands, wash me, all of me. I love Peter because... I resonate with that. And as you hear the gospel, as you hear Jesus say, if you'll just give me your filth, I'll make you clean. Just surrender. Give him your filth and let him do the work. Let me give you a few takeaways. 
We've written them there on the sheet, but let's just talk through them. Number one, real love goes low and serves others. So how are you going to do that this week? How are you going to go low? How are you going to do the thing that maybe before you'd say, I love you, but I'm not going to do that. How are you going to deny yourself in that moment and say, you know what? I love you and I will do that. How are you going to do that this week? Let me, let me tell you that um, a lot of churches talk about, you know, serve. You need to serve. You need to serve. And we say that, you know, if you want to be a, a, a faithful part of this church, you know, we want you to serve. But we don't just want you to serve within these walls when we meet on a weekend. We want you to find a place and give your life to serving others outside of our community. Think about your passions and giftings. I was just talking with Lorunda yesterday via text, and she's the one who was sort of heading up the Habitat for Humanity project and just asking her how to go in the rain. And she was like, I just, I love doing this. And I was like, I love that you love doing this. Like it lights me up that you love serving in this way. What is it for you that you're like, this is what I love to do? This is. This is something I, I want to give myself to others. I want to go low for others. That's what real love does. Are you doing that? Are you serving like that? Second takeaway. The path to real happiness is in serving others. I don't normally preach messages about how to be happy. But here Jesus is saying, you've got to repent of that mindset of seeking for yourself is actually going to make you happy. It's not going to leave you unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and bitter. Put that away. Seek the good of others. Seek the highest good of others. And what you'll find, the fruit of that is happiness. Don't be deceived that self-service is the way to go. It's not. Trust Jesus. Follow His example. Wash feet. Thirdly, and this one's most important, Jesus came to serve you Mark 10.45 tells us that. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He came to serve you. He came to save you. And I want to ask you if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. If you haven't, do that today. Just tell Him, I need you to take my sin. I want to trust that what you did on the cross is enough to save me. It's enough to rescue me. I want to invite you to love like Jesus. I want to invite you to go low for others. Are you, are you serving? Are you somebody that people would go, man, that guy, he's a, he's a servant. Or that girl, she just is constantly serving. She gives of herself. Find something to invest your life into. Give of your creativity. Give of your time. Give of your energy. Go low to serve. Let's love like Jesus. Let's let's be willing to serve.